All right. Well, thanks again for joining us tonight. We're in the book of First John, the book of First John, First John chapter two, the book of First John chapter two. By the way, those of you who ordered uh, wreaths, they are actually here and they are um, by the kitchen. So you can uh, come and grab those. First uh, John chapter two, First John chapter two is where we're going to be tonight. Wednesday nights, we've been uh, in the book of 1 John. We're going to continue with that. 1 John chapter 2. Let's go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word this evening. 1 John chapter 2. And beginning in verse number, well, we're just going to read one verse, verse number 26, and then we'll go over the other ones. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 26. John writes, These things have I written unto you, concerning them that seduce you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, we thank you for our Savior. We thank you for salvation that is offered. And Lord, I do pray now that you would just be with the the preaching of your word tonight. I pray for your blessings. I pray for your power. Lord God, I pray for the moving of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. John writes, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Remember that when we began this series, we talked about those false teachers and those false teachers being the Gnostics. And we talked about them. See, John's warning to these Christians that he is writing to is that they do not fall prey to these false teachers. And the fact that he uses the term seducing means that they would be very eloquent. And here's the thing, is uh, uh, Satan's minions are not without talent. My, they have talent. They're very compelling, which is why we need to be grounded in the Word of God and not be seduced by great speakers or those who might be emotional or those who just might have a great presentation. We need to know the Word of God and be grounded in it and to be grounded in the truth. As a matter of fact, we need to understand that they are trying to enlighten or seduce That's what these false teachers are trying to do. And the false teachers John is talking about particularly are the Gnostics who taught, among other things, that Jesus Christ was not God. And that the scriptures were not to be taken in a literal sense, but in a non-literal sense that could be understood by, or that could be understood by a select few. My, that is a dangerous thing. We understand that the scripture is to be literally interpreted and that we are to take the word of God literally for what it says. Well, the Gnostics said, no, you cannot take it literally. You cannot take it that way. You need someone to help you interpret it. And of course, um, they would be the interpreters. Well, God and the scriptures were not to be uh, taken literal according to them, but we know that They are both to be taken literal according to the believer. You know, today Gnostics are in the form of renowned Bible scholars. They deny the inerrancy of God's word while doubting the person and the promises of God. The dangerous thing about uh, Gnosticism 
is that they claim to be Christians, enlightening Christians. Um, Gnosticism was not new in John's day. Gnosticism has been around since the very beginning. Neither is it outdated today. Gnosticism is still, uh, it's still around today. It has run rampant in all ages since the beginning. God's literal word has been questioned, and such is the case today. Satan was the first Gnostic when he told Eve, Thou shalt not surely die, which is exactly what he said. He, he told Eve, Don't take God's word literally. I understand that God said, The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, but thou shalt not surely die. That's not what he meant by that. Let me explain it to you. Let me enlighten you. Let me help you. Boy, and such has been the case ever since the beginning. False teachers who want to enlighten us and false teachers who want to explain the scriptures uh, to us rather than teach us the scriptures plainly. And uh, as I said, Satan did not deny that God had said it. He just had to enlighten Eve as to what God meant by it. Today, there are homosexual Christians and homosexual churches who do the same when they condone their lifestyle, where the, where the, while the Word of God literally condemns the lifestyle. But that's not what God meant. You can't take it at face value. Also, women preachers subscribe to Gnosticism. Even though the word of God may say, I suffer not or I allow not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence, they will, of course, say, well, that's not what that means. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Well, preacher, you don't understand. That's not what that means. Can I just say this? That's exactly what that means. And um, our, our God is not PC and the Bible is not PC, nor has it ever been, nor will it ever be. Uh, but he speaks the truth. Listen, those preachers who do not believe in a literal fiery hell, even though the word of God teaches us there is a literal fiery hell. They are Gnostics. So you understand what Gnosticism is. We brought it, we, we looked back at, at Satan, the original Gnostic, and, and now we brought it to our time. And there certainly are Gnostics in our day and age to the, um, that in which we live. John assures these Christians. Let's read that verse once again, verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you you see all these false teachings are are to seduce to uh to draw us away from the truth but john assures these christians that he's writing to and us uh he assures them that uh, he's not uh, writing to inform them of some new doctrine but to confirm what they already know I've written you these things concerning them that seduce you. In other words, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything new. Matter of fact, this is the Wednesday night crowd. You're not going to hear anything new tonight. Uh, this is reconfirmation, if you will, to, 
to, uh, to confirm or strengthen what we already know, what we already believe, and why we believe it. Uh, these Christians were being taught another gospel, and John says they didn't need it. They're being taught uh, a new doctrine. But if it's new, then you need to watch out. You need to be careful of it. You can almost hear John echoing what Paul wrote to the Galatians when he said, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And John is pretty much uh, saying the same thing. You don't need a new gospel. You don't need new teachings. You just need to be strengthened in the old paths, in the old gospel, in the only gospel. So John gives three reasons why he's uh, writing uh, to... Uh, or, or why those he is writing to did not need to be enlightened. They don't need a new doctrine, a new gospel. The first reason that he gives is that uh, the truth had been preached to them already. The truth had been preached to them already. They did not need new doctrine. You know, John preached the truth to them, and he was an eyewitness to the truth. Uh, keep your finger here, but just go back to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1, a reminder of that which he has already written. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. So he's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about the Messiah. Now remember, the Gnostics believed that God did not come in human form. Totally contrary to what the Word of God uh, teaches. And so John wants them to understand, we saw it. He was made manifest. Verse number 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so he says, oh my, we've seen, we, we saw Him, we handled Him, we hugged Him, we, uh, we heard Him. We are eyewitnesses to His ministry, His death, His burial, His resurrection. You've had the truth preached to you. Nothing is to be added to the gospel as taught by John and nothing taken away. Go back. Uh, let's uh, look at First John chapter five. First John chapter five, verse number eleven. First John chapter five, verse number eleven. Look at what John says here. And this is the record, he says. First John five eleven. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And so he's pretty much told the Gnostics, we do not need your new gospel, this gospel that doesn't include God incarnate, because that is not the truth, and that's not the record. 
So anyone who claims to be a Christian yet denies Christ certainly lacks the truth. Uh, to deny that Jesus is the Christ is to deny his deity. And my, that is a cardinal doctrine of the faith, the deity of Jesus Christ. John believed that Jesus was the Christ, for it was John who wrote, This is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. John chapter 4, verse number 42. This is indeed the Christ, he would write, the Savior of the world. Boy, there is no doubt what John believes. There's no doubt that John trusts in the Jesus that he walked with and talked with and lived with and ministered with. Uh, John says, I'm an eyewitness to this. You know, the significance of this is the fact that we are told in the Bible that there is only one Savior. John declared in John 4:42, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You realize that that's the, that is the Bible claiming the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, in fact, is God in the flesh. It's significant because in Isaiah chapter 43, let's go ahead and turn to a few of these scriptures. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 11, Isaiah 43 Verse number 11, we're going to look at a few uh, verses in the book of Isaiah. So uh, keep your finger, obviously, in 1 John. We'll be going back and forth. But in Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah 43, verse number 11. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 11. John's gospel says that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. That is a significant statement. Because in Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 11, Jehovah says, I, even I am the Lord. And if you were to transliterate that, it would be Jehovah. Because when you have capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the Old Testament, that is Jehovah. And he says, I am Jehovah. And beside me, there is no Savior. So we either have a problem with our Bible here and we have a contradiction or Jesus is God in the flesh. And of course, we know he's God in the flesh. Hosea chapter 13, also verse number four, Hosea 13. Since we're in the prophets, we'll just go on over to Hosea, the book of Hosea. A nice thing about the Wednesday night crowd, you can turn Turn to some scriptures. Hosea chapter 13. Hosea chapter 13. Verse number 4. And you see this again. Hosea 13 verse number 4. Where Hosea says, yet I am the Lord. Once again, all capitals. That's telling you right there. It's Jehovah. I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. And thou shalt know no God but me. For there is no what? There is no Savior beside me. And yet in the book of John, we read that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Very significant. And you know what? Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and God doesn't say anything by accident. Um, John also believed that Jesus was God. John would write in John chapter 1, verse number 1, and you're familiar with this portion of Scripture, in the beginning was the Word. 
The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Later on in, in that same chapter, John had write in verse number 14 that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh. The very thing that the Gnostics taught could not happen, that God would, would, uh, would come in the flesh. But it's exactly what John preached. And so as John writes to these Christians, as he writes in 1 John to these Christians, he says, you don't need enlightened because you've already had the truth preached to you. You already know the truth. And um, as, we, uh, as we saw in uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4, and then also in 1 John chapter 5 and in verse number 20, the Bible says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. You know, one of the best defenses for the deity of Christ is the entire book of John and John's letter. Uh, John believed that Jesus was God in the flesh. And concerning this truth, no man, even before the New Testament was completed, needed enlightened. This is not a new doctrine of the New Testament. This is an old doctrine that also is included in the Old Testament. If you're still in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, perhaps you know this one uh, by heart. This is one of our uh, Christmas verses that is quoted during the Christmas season. Isaiah chapter 9, book of Isaiah chapter 9. And verse number 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, uh, there are many today who do not believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And, and uh, w when you show them this verse, this is what they'll say. Well, the Bible doesn't say that he would be the mighty God. It just says that that's what his name would be, that he, his name would be the mighty God. Well, uh, you know, if the Bible calls somebody something, that's what they are. I mean, his name is not the devil. He is the devil. Uh, Jesus is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This is truth, and we need no other truth taught to us. Uh, and so John, warning the, his, uh, well, his uh, Christ's disciples, you do not need to be enlightened. The truth has been preached to you. Just be rooted in it. 
just uh, be uh, get as familiar with the truth as you possibly can. Know the truth. It's been preached to you already. No man can be a Christian who denies Christ because no lie is of the truth. You know, in denying Christ, one also denies the Father. Let's go back to the book of 1 John, the book of 1 John, 1 John and, and uh, chapter 2, which is where we are. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 23. 1 John chapter 2. Verse number 26 concludes these verses. 1 John 2, 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. And so in denying Christ, one also denies the Father. Um, You can't have one without the other. And yet there are religions today that try to have one without the other. And you cannot. In denying Christ, one also denies the Father. In John chapter 5, Jesus taught this very principle. He taught this very truth, this very fact. In John 5, verse number 23, Jesus says that all men should honor the Son. Now, I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. Here's the thing, is if Jesus is not God in the flesh, Jesus expects to be treated differently than any other man in the Bible. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're to honor Moses. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're to honor Daniel. And Daniel's a very honorable man. Nowhere in the Bible does it, does it say that we are to honor anyone Except God. Also, incidentally, when uh, Thomas bowed down and worshipped Jesus, you know, there are multi- uh, there's a multitude of instances in the Bible where people tried to worship men or people tried to even worship angels, and yet they were rebuked for it. When Thomas worshipped Jesus, Jesus commended him for it. And then pretty much told Thomas that uh, um, because you've seen, you've believed. But blessed is he that hasn't seen and yet does believe. John 5, 23, Jesus has the audacity to say that all men should honor the Son. Why? Because the Son is God. He's God in the flesh. All men should honor the Son, but he goes on. Even as they honor the Father. My, again, equal with the Father. Why is he equal with the Father? Because they're one. Two persons, I understand that, but one God. Even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. And so for those who will say, well, Jesus is not Jehovah. Well, they've dishonored the Son, therefore they've dishonored the Father. You can't have one without the other. There are other heroes, as I said, in the Bible, and not a one of which are we told to honor. Peter made this mistake. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus took Peter, James, and John on up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and there he was transformed before them. 
and then, of course, Elijah and Moses showed up, and there they were talking. And the Bible says that they were talking about the death of Jesus. And, boy, what a conversation that must have been to be in on. And yet the Bible tells us that uh, Peter and James and John were there, and then Peter made the mistake of saying, we need to make a tabernacle, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. No, you only honor God. You don't honor men. And so immediately those two men were taken away, and Peter and James and John were on their face when they heard from heaven God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. Honor him. You don't honor any man. Jesus uh, said in John chapter 14, verse number 9, Jesus saith unto him, when Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father. You know, the disciples, the apostles in particular, were always asking Jesus for a magical cure for their lack of faith. Can I just tell you this? There is no magical cure for a lack of faith. I've had people ask me on numerous occasions, Pastor, what is the key? What's the key to having the faith to tithe? The key to having the faith to uh, uh, be in church? The key to having the faith to serve God and to witness to other people? The key is this, obedience. That's the key. There is no secret. There is no magic uh, uh, dust. There's no fairy dust that will help you to one day have faith. Philip was asking for it. They were constantly asking for it. Lord, strengthen our faith. Philip even came and said, Lord, just show us the Father. And boy, that will just do, that will do wonders for us. Well, when Philip told Jesus that, Jesus uh, he just reestablished an old doctrine that Jesus is God in the flesh. In in, uh, John 14, verse number 9, Jesus says to Philip, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? I and my Father are one, Jesus would say. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Uh, That truth has been preached, and we do not need to be enlightened. There are those today who will say that Jesus is the Christ, but he's not God. Again, you cannot have one and not the other. Um, we saw this established in Isaiah. The Jews understood this. You know, this, this, was the, this was the reason that the Jews rejected Jesus because they knew that the Messiah would be God in the flesh. And they just did not see Jesus as that. Uh, turn to John chapter 5, if you will, the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, verse number 13. 
John chapter 5, verse number 13 says, And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Um, God cannot take a Sabbath day off because if he does, everything's going to fall apart. And Jesus says, My father works hitherto, and, and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They understood the scriptures and the scripture confirmed it. Remember Isaiah chapter nine, verse number six, his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And by the way, the Jews understood there's only one mighty God. John had preached the truth to them. Getting back to 1 John. He had preached the truth to them as he does to us today in the gospel and in his epistles. John wrote the gospel of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He also wrote 4 John, or as we know, the book of Revelation. John's fourth epistle. And in Revelation chapter 17, verse number 14, John wrote, He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Lord of lords and king of kings and so john tells his believers in first john chapter 2 verse number 26 these things have i written unto you concerning them that seduce you you don't need to be enlightened the truth has already been preached to you you don't need a new truth you don't need added truth We've already confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day those who teach the contrary will also confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2 verse number 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Either John and the apostles and Jesus himself are blasphemers or Jesus Christ is in fact God in the flesh. My, the, the truth had been preached to them. And so John teaches them in verse number 26, don't let them seduce you. You don't need to be enlightened, first of all, because the truth has already been preached. But second of all, he says there's a second reason. Now, verse number 23, 
He says, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. This, pre- this, this truth has been preached to you. In verse number 24, he gives, us, uh, gives the second reason they ought not be seduced or, quote, enlightened, because the truth was possessed by them. Look at verse number 24 of 1 John chapter 2. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So those who were truly saved and had accepted the gospel preached by John, they possessed the truth. It was inside of them. Um, don't let anyone try to convince you otherwise. And that's exactly what John is saying in verse 26. Uh, those that try to seduce you. My, don't let them try to convince you otherwise. Jesus is the word, according to John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 1. And the word is truth. John chapter 17, verse 17, when Jesus was preaching for his disciples, he said, sanctify them through thy word. He said, or sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, it's interesting because just a few chapters prior to that, John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so no wonder John names him the word, calls him the word. And if you possess the truth, the truth will continue to abide in you. You don't need enlightened. You don't need a new truth. By the way, there's no such thing as a new truth. Um, It's either truth or it's a lie. If you possess the truth, the truth will continue to abide. Those who are trying to do the enlightening are the ones who need to be enlightened. They need to be enlightened by the truth. So those Gnostics and Bible scholars are just like the Pharisees who will not submit to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and they therefore remain spiritually blind. Remember as Jesus taught them in John chapter 9, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, that they which, uh, uh, that they which see not might see, and that they which uh, see might be made blind, Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. Gnosticism is not new. My, the Pharisees believed that they had some special enlightenment. And yet Jesus says, Your problem is, You're blind. You say we see, therefore your sin remains, and so, too, does your blindness. Don't let the blind lead you. Men, those who will deny this are denying the light. They're denying the truth. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse number 14, um, Jesus warns, Concerning the uh, well, concerning the Pharisees, which were a, a sort of Gnostic in in Jesus' day, in Matthew fifteen, verse number fourteen. And by, and I know we're 
man, we're quoting and we're looking at a lot of scripture, but honestly, it's the it, it, it's the best weapon against Gnostics uh, or against any false doctrine. Matthew 15, 14. I'm sorry, 15, 13. Jesus answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. These are the Pharisees. Let's let's back up to verse number 12 so we can see. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? I wonder how many times that happened. The Bible says in verse number 13, And Jesus, replying to their, uh, their words of admonition and to the offense of the Pharisees, Jesus says, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Now look at what Jesus says for them to do with the Pharisees. Let them alone. Um, don't try to don't try to argue with them. He says, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. This is the tragedy of false religion. And, you know, here we live in a day and age when you're not supposed to criticize religions. We live in a day and age when, um, when if as a church you teach against false religion and you teach against false doctrine, people are offended by that and they get upset and they'll call you out on it and say, well, who are you to judge, judge, judge other religions? And, of course, the, the whole thing today is we're all trying to get to the same place, which may be the case, but just because we're all trying to get to the same place doesn't mean we're all going to get there. There's one road, and the Bible calls it the straight and narrow. Um, and there's one truth. And Jesus said to leave these blind leaders alone because when the blind lead the blind, it's a tragedy. That's the tragic thing about false religion. And I, and I made this statement just the other day. Sadly, religion probably is taking more people to hell than any other entity. And throughout the ages, that has been the case. Throughout the ages, that has been um, the, the, the tragic truth. That false religion has taken more people to hell. And I want you to notice something here. He says, uh, they be blind leaders of the blind. Sadly, their followers are sincere. My, if you were a blind person and you came to someone and asked them, can you help me cross the street? And they said, absolutely, I can help you. That poor blind person would take that person's elbow. But what if the leader was blind also and just didn't know it? You know, here's the tragedy. That blind person may be sincere. But sincerity is not going to get you across the street safely. Luck might. But sincerity certainly will not. And so if he takes that blind man's elbow and that blind man tells him, I can get you across the street, trust me. 
and then they both go out and they both reap the consequences. That's the sad tragedy of hell is there's a lot of people there and a lot of people headed there who grabbed onto a leader who said, just follow me and I'll take you to the promised land. We read about a lot of them in Matthew chapter 7 um, where Jesus warns us about this. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. He says, beware of false prophets. Now he's just told his, in, in Matthew chapter 15, he's just told his, his apostles, those Pharisees are false teachers. They're blind, don't follow them. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15 here, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now look at verse number uh, 21, verse number 21. Within the same context, people are going to follow false prophets. They're going to follow false teachers who are going to teach in the name of Jesus and teach people that, well, you are saved if you do this. In verse number 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? You see, they grabbed hold of an elbow of a false teacher, a blind teacher who said, I can get you there. And maybe at one point they read part of the Bible and said to their false teacher, you know, uh, the Bible says this. And that false teacher says, yeah, but that's not what that means. And so he continues to hold on to the elbow of that false teacher. I uh, had many family members who were, uh, who were Catholic. And, of course, when uh, I was born into my family, that's, I was baptized a Catholic. And, and, and the whole reason is because... Uh, grandma and grandpa were Catholic, and it, and it just went back. But nonetheless, uh, I, I can remember, in, it, not just me, but um, some of my family members talking to some of our Catholic family members and just showing them in the Bible. But, but, but the Bible says this. And because they had been so ingrained, they would just shrug it off. But I, I'm sure that's not what it means. Because that's what they had been taught for years and years and years. Yeah, but the Bible says that, uh, so that, that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. It's not sacraments. It's not works. The Bible also tells us. I can remember showing this one to my grandma at one point. Um, I can remember saying, hey, um, the Bible says that there's one mediator between God and, and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. Well, what is this praying to Mary and, and the Hail Marys? Well, not everything that's, uh, uh, not all truth is in the Bible. I remember that's, that was the reply. Not all truth is in the Bible. 
because of course they believe that some things came later and came i mean mariology came long after the new testament was complete but nonetheless don't let the blind lead let them alone they be blind leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind the tragic result not only will the blind teacher fall in a ditch so will too the blind sincere follower there's a lot of sincere religious people in hell today because that's where their blind leaders led them that's where their false uh, false religions led them so those who've experienced the salvation of god are better able to speak of him than the most learned professors of all theology i love john chapter 9 john chapter 9 let's go ahead and turn over there in, in john chapter 9 john chapter 9 and in verse number 26 john chapter 9 verse number 26 in john chapter 9 some people don't witness because they're not sure what to say they don't know what verses to quote and i've said this if you know christ as your personal savior your testimony will lead others to christ in john chapter 9 here john chapter 9 verse number 26 then said they to him again, what did he do to thee? How opened he thine eyes? So here's a man who's been cured of his blindness. We haven't covered this one yet on our Sunday mornings, but, but Jesus healed the blind man. And the, uh, and the Pharisees keep questioning him about it. Who did this to you? He said, honestly, I, I don't know what his name was. Well, was he, was he that Jesus fellow? You, see, you know that no one, you better not be giving him credit. You better not be giving him glory. No one can heal but God. You understand that. And so they continued to question him. Then they went to his parents and they questioned his parents. And his parents said, hey, he's an adult. We don't know what happened. You know, rather than being thrilled that their son could now see, they they said, we don't know, go ask him. And they, the Bible tells us the reason they said that is because they didn't want to get thrown out of the synagogue. They didn't want to lose their place. And so when they came and said, what is this that happened to your son? Who did this? They said, oh, we don't know. Go ask him. He's an adult. He's old enough to tell you. So now they keep coming back. They said, uh, they said to him again, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? Look at verse 27. He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also, uh, will you also be his disciples? Now, here's the question. This man has disciples, and he says, you know, if, if I keep telling you this, is it going to help you? Will, will it cause you to be one of his disciples? He's being sarcastic because he knows. They're not asking because they want to know the truth. They're asking because they want to persecute. 
and he understands this. He says, I've already told you what happened. What are you trying to get at? It's not as if you want to be one of his disciples. Verse number 28, then they reviled him. They knew he was being sarcastic. And they said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Oh, so now they reviled him and they're rebuking him and saying, well, you may be one of his disciples, but no way would we follow that person from Nazareth. We are Moses' disciples, which they were not. Moses was a disciple of Jesus. The Bible goes on, verse 29. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now, he's, here is a man who's probably uneducated. He was blind. But man, he is arguing with these Pharisees and giving it to them. First, he's sarcastic with them and says, you don't even want to know the truth. You won't become one of his disciples. Well, you may be one of his disciples, but we're not because we're Moses' disciples. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this guy came from. And now he says, well, what kind of teachers are you? Because here's a man performing miracles and you claim to be a teacher and you don't know where he came from. What kind of a teacher are you? Man. This guy knows one thing. I've been healed. My life has been changed. In verse number 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. Oh, man, this is great theology. Here is a man who's not a Pharisee, and as I said, probably uneducated, but he's educating these blind leaders. He goes, first of all, here's a man performing miracles. You saw it. You know, you've known me. You knew I was blind. Now I see, and you, you say you don't know. You, you plead the fifth on this guy. You don't know what to say. Verse number 30 uh, he goes, or verse number 31, he says, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Okay, so you're trying to tell me that this guy's not of God, and yet he prayed to God the Father, and now I can see? Now you know as well as I do, God does not hear the prayer of sinners. So if you claim to be a teacher of righteousness, you ought to know who this man is. This is good stuff. He goes on, verse number 32. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Man, yeah, he taught them. And he taught them great theology. We still preach this. God does not hear the prayer of sinners. And then in verse number 33, I'm sorry, 34. They answered him, 
unto him, Thou hast altogether borne in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when, when uh, he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. There again, there's, there's more um, deity right there as he worships him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come unto this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And of course, that brings us into that where the Pharisees choose to be blind. So those who've experienced the salvation of God are better able to speak of it than those who are supposed learned theologians. My, who taught better theology in John chapter 9 here? I'd say it was the man who was saved, not the Pharisees who had all the schooling, not the so-called Bible scholars it was an uneducated man who had experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ. Listen, the truth had been preached to them. And John says, because of that, don't let them seduce you. The truth was possessed by them. And because of that, he says, don't let these flowery uh, scholars seduce you. And then, of course, the last thing, I'm getting back to 1 John chapter 2 1 John chapter 2 verse 23 verse 23 the truth had been preached verse 24 the truth was possessed by them verse number 25 now we read that the truth would profit them and that's why you don't want to go off and follow those seducing scholars verse number 25 this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. My, the truth is profitable. So does the truth abide in us? To accept Christ is to accept his doctrines. It's to accept his truths. It's to accept his person, his word, his church. Don't let the flowery scholars seduce you. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed. And with every eye closed. These things have 